Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Welcome back to another Share Your Light episode. And as I've shared so many times, I absolutely love bringing new people from our listening audience to all of you because I think we're all very much finding what lights us up, what we can do to help, what really, how can we best step into our power, our light, and our purpose. Very, very pleased to, to welcome Alexandra Boyger, a New York Times bestselling children's book called Illustrator. She grew up in Munich, Germany, and studied graphic design at the, at the Fachhochschule Augsburg. A career in feature animation at Warner Brothers and DreamWorks first brought her to the UK and finally to the US. Visual storytelling, exploring emotions, psychology, and history have always been at the core of Alexandra's work. Many of the books she worked on focus on social justice and breaking down stereotypes, including the She Persisted books by Chelsea Clinton. Several of her titles have been translated into different languages. She Persisted, the musical, was the first to be translated to stage. Alexandra's work has participated at various exhibitions in the U.S. and Japan. Her latest book, Lola's Heart, which she also wrote, is a wordless picture book about the power of love and offers an opportunity to discuss difficult emotions such as grief, loss, and fear of failure. Alexandra lives in Northern California with her husband and daughter. Welcome, Alexandra. Hello, Denise. Thank you so much for having me. It's well, such thank- a pleasure. Oh, Thank you. And thank you so much, because when we first met and you shared Lola's heart with me, I was so overcome with emotion when I looked at the illustrations and it just was this huge. And even right now, as we're speaking, I'm getting willies from head to toe just with the the timing of this book and the depth of healing that it can present for people. I love your bio. You're very accomplished. You're, you, you're very educated and trained and you have all these wonderful things, but Lola's heart feels like it's such a pivotal part in your career and in your work. Um, because it's probably the most personal work I have done so far. Uh, it's also a project that I worked on, not always actively, but still always worked on for the longest time. It started, I started it in 2011 and it didn't really start out as a project that I was meant to do as a book. I didn't want to turn it into a book. It really truly was um, my exploration of my own feelings at the time, my own emotions about just a time in my life that felt very, very heavy and difficult. And that's truly how it started. In fact, I wanted and needed an outlet while I was working on books that are obviously my profession it's how I make a living I wanted to do something I needed an outlet where I can just put myself in only myself I I consider myself putting myself into the books I'm illustrating of course but just even more personal personal work that has nothing to do um, with my work so that's how it started out not because I wanted to create a story or a book only because I kind of needed it See, and I think that's a beautiful, beautiful point to make is how many highly sensitive, empathic, creative people will often express themselves through their work, but that it can be such a catalyst for healing, not only for the person that 
ends up somewhere that you may never meet reading it or experiencing it, but also for our own deep personal work. So how how does that work for you? How does your process work with tapping into your emotions and portraying them onto into your your beautiful illustrations? Well, first of all, thank you so much for saying that. The process is, it, it depends. It just, it's a very hard thing to describe, quite frankly, because it's never really the same. And yet, of course, I have certain tools by now that I can use. Rely on would be a step too far <laughs> because <laughs> I get stuck in the mud many times over. Um, in, in this specific case, it was really different because it wasn't a project. It wasn't a book that I was working on and therefore I let loose. I did something that is very hard to do for me when I'm starting on a book. I had no fear of failure. I just did it. So therefore I was able to jump into something very deep inside that isn't always possible right away when I am working on something uh, by contract. Because of course, you know, like any other artists, <laughs> it's a dance between confidence about what you can do and know how to do it and this constant um, fear to not get it right and not being able to do it and who am I anyways. And when, I'm, when I was working on when I did the artwork for Lula's Heart in the very beginning, which was, by the way, much darker than the book is now, uh, I didn't have that. I, I went straight to the pain. Do you feel that because there were no pressures of anyone else ever possibly seeing this work, that it allowed you a freedom to open up to a deeper emotional level than even what you portray with your other work? This is a tough question, if I'm honest. Okay. I can't quite answer it right away. Okay. In the big picture of things, yes. But when I'm thinking of the process, about the process of other projects that are, had also been personal, it's not the first one I wrote and illustrated, and also projects that I had only illustrated, I would get to that point anyways. So. That's the best answer I can give. No, to that's me. a beautiful answer. That's absolutely because I I know we've we've chatted before, and we were joking one time when we were saying how I had visioned you walk like stepping through a looking glass to meet your characters to become part of your work, and and I think that was kind of where I was leading with the question is when you just are able to step so fully into that world which true artists, creatives, illustrators are able to to blend like similar to a trance blend in mediumship, using it as a tool to work work through your own deep grief and emotions, that that must have been an interesting looking glass to step through day after day. I'm trying to find the right word for this, because I almost feel like in a weird twisted sort of way, once you were in it, it would bring kind of a solace and comfort to go to that place. Absolutely. And it's also because those, because those images were so raw and mm -hmm. came really from so deep within First of all, I wasn't even worried about any judgment from people, you know, because of course you, you, you're always worried about what people think about your work. And when you show it, uh, there's that. But with Lola's heart in the beginning, I was so um, almost in my protective bubble because I didn't really care what right. anybody would think about this. Did it touch them or not? And, the, and of course, that's the beautiful thing that then happens because nothing was watered down. 
it touched people right away. Whenever I would show it, then I got these raw reactions back. And generally they were positive, but also very emotional because, because it is an emotional book. Specifically then at the time, again, it was darker then. It's not an easy topic. Grief, loss, fear, those are really difficult. And I'm thinking of, you know, my background, I worked with, with younger people for a lot, lot of my life. And they don't have the work, the, the ability to put those into words. So to be able to sit down with this book and work through grief with a child or someone who is so unable to express what they're feeling emotionally, or even as an adult, I, I have to be honest, as I look through the pages, I, it helped me revisit some deep grief in myself mm -hmm. and work through with the illustrations. So this isn't just a children's book. This is truly a tool to help you identify and, and I have to use the word again, find solace and comfort and healing, because I think that's the point in any of these, especially with so much intensity in the world right now, we have to find a way to release that or it's, it's not, it's not healthy. A hundred percent. And this is literally where this came from. The, Lula's heart and the pain that it expressed in the very beginning came from exactly this clocked up emotions, grief that I felt uh, it was, it's really a lot of things. I, I lost a sister in 2003. She, she was killed in a car accident. She died in a car accident. My mother had her first major stroke when I was eight years old. And when that leaves a fear of losing your mother forever, and it wasn't her last time. So, you know, the, the, the threat of loss was in my family already then. So Lola's heart, I think it was the explosion and the, the expression of those clocked up feelings because I, I didn't have a, it, I didn't have a way to digest them in between, not the right way anyways. So I'm happy to hear that actually happy, funny word in this context, but still I'm really, uh, it's incredible for me to hear that you were finding your own grief within going through the pages because it's literally what it's meant to do. This right. is literally what the book is here for. And it doesn't even have to be grief. So, the first creation of Lola wasn't meant to be for a book and it really wasn't meant to be for children. Once I was able to um, find a publisher was, who was interested in letting me explore Lola, I had very few images to show at the time and a real basic idea about the story anyways, I needed to turn it into a children's book. And that's when it became really difficult and that is part of why it took so long for this book to come to where it is today. I was working on other projects in between, of course. I continued to explore what I did in the very beginning. I explored Lola in this raw stage. And once I was done with this, once I had it full, fully there, it wasn't for kids. <laughs> Just, it was too, it would have been too intense. And mm -hmm. meanwhile, the bottom line story is exactly the one that you can see in the book today. In that sense, it didn't even change so much because Lula's heart was always while it talks about grief and difficult emotions. It's really a very hopeful and uplifting book in the end. I absolutely love that you said that because as weird as this sounds, there is this beautiful softness and level of protection that follows Lola throughout the story and her companionship and the animals and the the other aspects of this it's it's not scary as weird as this may sound it showcases 
the polarity of grief and fear. And it gives a, there's a little ray of hope throughout the whole storyline. And I love that, that this is a picture book. This is something that is, there is no limitation based on language or ability or, or social constructs or anything that would dim the meaning that comes through with this book or the feeling that comes through with this book. And I don't know if that was deliberate or just a beautiful bonus of the whole thing, but this is not to blow smoke or tell you what you want to hear. I promise. <laughs> but but it, it's oh, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it, I love things that are universal. That are in the the whole purpose is humanitarian. Anyone can pick up Lola's heart no matter where they are on the planet and feel that. And that to me is huge, huge work. That is an inclusivity that words can't even describe. Denise was, was obviously super, super difficult to get it or trying to get it right. Mm, but it was exactly what I was trying to do. Um, in fact, the very first version I did use words, but there were tried I didn't find the right words it didn't it didn't work it just didn't work and at some point it became clear to me and also a challenge a beautiful challenge this would be perfect without any words a perfect picture book without words it is about all these difficult emotions but there isn't really um, the characters in it are really I use them as archetypes this was the whole idea so the setup was actually perfect for it to be without any words because the interpretation is wide. You can do with whatever you want with this story. You can put your grief in it, your, you, but you can also just, yeah, maybe maybe a child goes through, the parents go through a, a divorce, for example, or it's, again, the fear of failure or it's a depression. It's, it can be, or, or really just little, smaller, smaller hardships is what I'm trying to say. It does not matter. You just put into it whatever it is you're going through and it's always the same story. The, the characters are archetypes, but I gave them a role. It was like a play in my mind. Uh, Lola herself is the ego. The, the wolf is the heart. The red big bird is love or the higher self. And the train would be life. The butterflies are the hopes or dreams that we have in life. And then, of course, the little creatures are the fears that we are facing, the obstacles in life. So this was really my setup. And this, is what, this was basically my script. This was kind of my script. And I knew that it's about somebody losing heart, losing hope, and trying to find it again uh, through, of course, love. But love can be just the love that the higher love love can be the love for yourself because maybe you lost that one <laughs> or it can be the love of a loved one so it's again it's the interpretation interpretation is far goes far you can do with it whatever you feel see in it that is all so incredibly lovely and and but it, you you made a really really important point alexandra is that we can't measure someone else's pain and grief against someone else. Like what I may feel is the deepest loss in my heart. Someone else may say that doesn't impact me, but their level. So you're able to use this as a tool for whoever would pick it up. But those core archetypes are intrinsic to all human beings. 
And that's the key. That's mm -hmm. really the key is this, it, it's, it's bringing together, it's uniting, it's, it's normalizing. Well, normalizing is, a, is probably not the right word to use, but it's, it's finding a level of acceptance and a way to light a torch to get through. Exactly right, because it can, again, it can be just a simple disappointment that you're, that you're facing. We're not going as far as grief, and it's still the same journey in, in essence. Always seeing you're coming out on the other side, you're coming out, and with it, you have learned a lesson, and with it, there are many new opportunities that you never saw before. And with so many, and again, you, you know this as well as I do, that the little people are so pure light they're all empathic they're very highly connected and even more so now it's it's building and building and building that i think any skills any tools we can give them on how to become more comfortable with their emotional emotions and how they deal with them so that they don't have to carry the baggage of their their parents their grandparents their great grandparents they're they're going to learn how to process at a younger and the more things we can provide them with so that they can they they can release it it doesn't have to manifest into something more exactly right just opening up a conversation when you're taking this book with a little one <laughs> so i talked to a lot of creatives and a very dear friend of mine is is a highly creative person and when you mentioned before the fear, fear of failure it's not going to be good enough who wants to see my stuff what and this is a, a beautiful compliment for you you have this incredible background you've done you're a professional illustrator you're known you have you know all the accolades so no one would expect you to be feeling that as well so do you <laughs> try, truly and does it ever does it ever get easier or how do you break through that how do i step up and put myself out there because that i see so many beautiful creatives that just they get stuck and they can't quite push themselves out of that comfort zone or fear zone or whatever it may be. I really think it's the oldest question in the book. Uh, yeah. And I mean, obviously I have some answers and yes, oh my God, I'm getting stuck all the time. And this fear of failure is huge, really, really big. I, I'd i like to have a better answer, but it's, um, it's just no, it's no good answer. There is no good. Sometimes it is as simple as just jump, jump in the water and just do it. Just start doing it. Um, just recently, I heard another artist speaking about an approach that he has. And this is an incredible artist. Robert Kondo is his name. Um, he when he when he sees the empty page, he, uh, he starts with doodling just nine squares, mm -hmm. nine little squares like frames on on yeah. this white frame. And that becomes his goal for the day. He's gonna scribble with these nine, it's gonna be nine little sketches that he wants to do. And that's the start, that's the starting off point. In fact, I'm gonna start use, trying to use this one because <laughs> it's literally uh, this the other day. It's a walk in the woods that sometimes helps me. Uh, it's in fact, I started this hypnotherapy, using hypnotherapy app and that helps me because fear of failure, what is it? It comes from deep within, it's your confidence level. Um, and that's so personal, right? It's while it is universal because I don't know any artist who doesn't have that. It's still very personal how 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 and where it's coming from for yourself. So I'm doing meditation. I'm going for walks. I am literally just jumping 
and doing it. And sometimes I, I notice as well that the process obviously would be starting with sketches and starting with character sketches, really. That's how I usually start. What I noticed for myself is sometimes I give myself that freedom that I gave myself, for example, with Lola's heart. I don't think about the story. I just start with a final piece of artwork, something where I can just sit down and have a lot of fun. Um, obviously, in the back of my mind, I'm hoping that something will come out of this, but I don't judge it all that judge it all that much. I just go for it and have fun. That's a good way to get into a project when I'm feeling very, very stuck. And sometimes I, um, when I, when I have, there's so much pressure because I have a deadline. I know that I can rely on myself that once I get going, I, I get going. I'm in the flow, and then then I'm just doing it. So pressure is unfortunately helpful too for me. <laughs> well, I, I completely understand that in a, in a different context, but I get nervous before every reading. I'm convinced nothing will come through. It's going to be dead air, uh, no connection. And I've done this for decades and decades and, and I still get nervous. And I think in a sense, that's good because it maintains a sense of humility and service. And it maintains that I think when you cross that line and you don't have any nerves or, or stress or worry about it, then maybe you've, it's become almost complacent. Um, um, Denise, I'm going to use this. It's the best excuse ever that I'm having from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping up humility. Denise said so. Okay. It's got to be true. <laughs> no, but I think you're, you're right. What you're saying makes total sense to me. And it's true, of course. It yeah. does keep you down with your feet on the ground. Another thing that I noticed in Lola's heart is your use of color. And I, I think many of us are highly sensitive to shades and tones and, and how that impacts us emotionally. But as you look through the pages, how it becomes lighter, it becomes more, you can feel the emotional color lifting. Is that a, a process you use often in your storytelling and in your, in your illustration work? Uh, definitely. So thinking about color and how to use it within a book is 100% something I am, it's calculated to some extent. Obviously, it develops by itself and becomes this or that or stronger or um, I'm getting deeper in the nitty and gritty. But really, it's something I think about from the very beginning on how to use color and where to use what. What do I want to say? it's it's a temperature almost from beginning to end where you're where you're really expressing the emotions through color and not only through color in lola's heart if you look at it then you might see movement within the backgrounds why are the trees leaning now and why are they or why are they like um like a cross between the characters or why are they straight so they are just as much part of the storytelling as is the color and as is what's actually happening in the story. It's literally an ingredient to tell the story, is the color, is the movement, is the background, is all of it. All of it is definitely something I'm thinking deeply about, how, how to apply it. But when you start the process and you join your team, your character team, Mm -hmm. And you step through the looking glass and you start to interact and get to know their personalities and where they want to go in your story or with your art. And 
the and that's a really really important point about the background shifting those subtle things because it goes back to the individual who's going to pick up the book and someone who has a real sensitivity for detail or or they're going to notice that wow that tree is lifting is is tilting to the left and that that means i mean there's so much it there's layers to all of this that is phenomenal and I, I think a psychologist would have a field day with this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, this is what I'm what I what I'm thinking this book could do. It it could be used by a therapist or psychologist in therapy with children or adults, just like you said. At some point, I I still think this is a book for any age. I really truly do. And speaking to going to the ingredients, all the the parts that make one of those images or all of these images, uh, without the reader looking at the image and then thinking, ah, the trees are leaning that way and they are doing this way and this color is changing. That's not even the intent that they would see it because what I'm trying to do with all of the images is create an experience. Just in, like, like when you're watching a movie and, and in fact, I had a music in my head as I was working on the book, just a real experience, an emotional experience something you really truly feel therefore when it's possible if for me the highest goal is really to to tie the reader in that way so that nothing needs to be explained that just simply feel it why yeah well i was thinking a hard and long time why i was like how i can get the reader there um but they don't need to analyze that i just no. hope that they would feel it without yes. even seeing it seeing why a large percentage of the population that i worked with for many years had um you know serious behavior disorders or emotional situations where you know they were just there were a lot a lot of stuff cognitively going on for kids that i worked with or adults i thought of that throughout the whole time i was looking through the book was that what a beautiful way to help people identify what they're feeling without it being so what are you feeling what are you mm. doing what are you doing it's it, there's a, a it's the smoke under the door of allowing someone to express themselves or as i mentioned before finding that exp expression in myself how did this unfold with you finding the types of stories that you want to share mm. so when i started out as an illustrator it's just simply what i wanted to do <laughs> I and I can't tell you really why it's simply how I express myself in the world probably best I don't, that's my best way to do it so in a sense I guess it's very ego driven when you're doing when you're starting out as an artist it's just that not thinking too much for me anyways as a young artist I just wanted to do it I wanted mm -hmm. to tell stories I was pulled into stories it's not just visually I also liked to read as a kid always it's uh, stories were really my shelter and so that's how it all started out. But as I was working uh, on a number of books, and specifically when I, specifically I want to say, once I started to work on Lula's Heart, which again was actually in 2011 is when it started, when I started. I actually started to, for the first time, to seriously question myself, what kind of stories do you really want to tell by this? I do. Uh, and when I say this, I don't want to exclude how happy I am with the stories that I was able 
to participate in telling before, because I think the stories that came and that I signed up for, they already came to me for a reason, because they kind of were the stories I that were meant for me to be illustrate, like for me to illustrate them. But but once I a question, once I had this awareness of the question, I really did choose very carefully, and the, and I started to be aware of so many things uh, in my surroundings, a deeper awareness, started a lot of inner work then as well, that I, um, the path of what sort of stories I wanted to, to tell became clearer and clearer to me. It was nonfiction stories. It became stories not only about imagination, but about human rights. It became stories, as you know, here with grief. Um, I have another uh, book series, the Maximala books I created myself they really are about overcoming fear they're about kindness they're about friendship but they're also about um fighting with each other because that's what you do where do they come from look i'm coming from a big family we are seven children i grew up in family of <laughs> seven so six girl girls one one boy my poor brother i know poor brother but uh, <laughs> he came out all right <laughs> <laughs> so you know this is where those books where these stories are also coming from so the path was always sh finding shelter in a story but but without sugarcoating what's happening in the world with a with a clear focus on flourishing human flourishing mm. and you have you have taken that word you've used that word a couple of times and I um, I use it now too, and it's really healing. Books that hopefully can help heal. People want to feel okay. They want to feel okay with who they are, how they see the world, how they process the world. They want to know that. I mean, when you think about that, what flashed in my mind is years and years and years ago, I taught at a preschool, and this was before any of the the. Um, inclusivity that we have with family dynamics and this little boy came in and he was sweet as a button and he looked at me and he said does anybody else have two mommies or just me oh, and, yeah. and he was this brilliant beautiful his parents were these incredible couple that they were just it, I just that wonderful wonderful people but I remember the look on his little face to this day mm -hmm. of just, he wanted to be like the other kids. He wanted to know that he was okay. And I feel like that's what you're bringing through in your work as well. Thank you for saying this. This is what books bring into the world. This is such a poignant example that you are bringing because it's exactly, it's representation and Everyone needs to, to see themselves in a book. And that has not always been the case. It just no. hasn't. Uh, we are breaking down a couple of glass ceilings right now and uh, far from being done with this. You need to see, you need to be able to see yourself in a book. It's the first place. It, and if it's your only place of shelter, then it's a huge deal in your life. So I think books are sacred and picture books or children's books in particular because it's those first couple of years where the first seven years where, <laughs> where your blueprint is basically put down, where your subconscious mind is completely filled up with who, what you believe about the world. And it's really an important time to feel safe and to see yourself somehow represented. 
100%. And we did another show recently, and one of the stories that was shared was this man in, uh, I'm not pulling exactly where it was, but it was a really rough part of uh, city, a really rough part of the city. And what he did was he took storage containers and he made them into libraries. So mm. that in these, mm. you know, there were gangs, there was violence, there was, uh, there was no wow. place safe for these children to go. And how many kids congregated in these libraries to read, to have educational programs, to share. It was a safe haven. And I think books are often, and I, I've thought about this because uh, my sons are old enough that we did. We sat every evening and we read books and we talked and we did the voices and we did all the things. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that younger, that, that parents with young children or caretakers or whoever is, is with these little people is still introducing them to the magic of actual books, not tablets, not TV, not video games, just like the, the hard copy of, of paper and color and illustrations. And I think I, it's vital. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, goodness, this is one of the big things about why I'm so, when I'm speaking about the joys of working on, on, on a children's book and what it is for, it's about this safe space for a child and a, and a parent that they have every evening or whatever, whenever they have their story time that you're creating that then stays forever. This is the thing about what that sort of emotion that is created in those moments, that's a safe space forever. When, where you can go back in your 60s if you, if you want to and think of that feeling that you had back in the days. Uh, there was, what is it, how long ago is it now, 10 years? I don't know. I don't remember. But um, when the big shift came to, to e-books, to everything mm -hmm. being available on, on iPads and everywhere, uh, we were all, I was worried, obviously, what's, what is this going to mean for my industry? And I was speaking with my agent and we were, yeah, let's see. But the truth is, it never crashed down. It didn't. I mean, I can tell you because the sales didn't end up uh, suffering really for, for picture books. Quite the opposite for a while, actually. It was it's sort of a golden age in picture books. Mm -hmm. Also, because finally there are so many stereotypes that are broken down and outspoken books and inclusive books. Uh, not only because you see it on the covers, also because the creators are all diverse and different. Also, the editors, the art directors are diverse and different. So there's a big change really, truly happening. Golden age again. So no, I, I, it's still happening. A parent and child are still sitting down with a real book somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I think that that is so, um, it's hopeful. That really gives me a sense of hope. Yeah. Because I think I, what, what I'm remembering is you know, when I would sit and, and you feel that heaviness of a little kid, like leaning against you while you're reading and you, you synchronize your breath with them when you're reading to them. And that's such a sacred place for us as the adult, as well as for that little person. And even to this day, knowing my sons are grown men, I can recall that memory for myself. Yes. And it is a beautiful, beautiful gift and feeling. It really is. I still have those favorite books. My daughter now is 22. Yeah. <laughs> I still have them and, sh and we'll give them to her whenever she you know, wants to have them. Uh, it's, it is much more than a book. I'm thinking of this also just because of the touching of the paper and what it smells. 
it's almost like touching a cat and how it calms down your nervous system. There is something to this sense, sensory aspect of it all. Um, the, the covers, the blanket, you, you're under a warm blanket, possibly with a tea. All of these things belong together with this experience, right? So it is it, much more than a book. It is, and it's it's a complete immersive multimodality approach to connection to all of those things. But it, you had mentioned that it's still fun. So you feel still find joy in what you're doing, in meeting your new characters when you're starting a new project and saying, well, come with me, let's figure out where we're going. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, when I'm when I'm there. So it's, on the one hand, I'm, I wanna say that I think this whole fear of failure has gotten bigger, believe it or not, even though you would think, oh no, she's, she's done it for so long, she, she has learned so many things, which is true. Of course, I have learned so many things and I've gotten better at drawing than I have been 10 years ago and all of these things. Uh, but I, uh, but the fear of failure has gotten bigger and therefore sometimes I'm feeling stuck longer than I used to. But when I am there, when I'm, when I'm, when I've done this, when I broke into a story or when I have created characters where I started as I said before, that example where um, I was stuck, but then I just started with some final art and had some fun, and all of a sudden they were there, the characters. When they are there, then I'm getting really excited. Very excited indeed. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. That goes back to what you said earlier about just jump, keep pushing, keep showing up, keep drawing the little squares. But the perfectionism, and I'm wondering if... I, I, thinking of a, a completely different artistic, a person who's very creative, different, they're not an illustrator, they're not a writer, they do a different modality, but their constant refrain is in a comparative study kind of way. Well, everyone's doing that. Or, And I have always said to this person that, but no one is doing it the way you're doing it. And I think that that's really, really vital is that when you're sending out your book or your works or your characters, you're the, the fear of failure and the vulnerability of, of letting people peek behind the curtain and see who you really are. That's really damn brave. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it's true. It is pretty brave. And I wasn't, and it's really different when, when I'm illustrating a book where the manuscript is there, I'm feeling still like, and I mean, I do still hide to some extent behind a curtain, but the books that I have created really, where I literally created everything, it is, it's scary. I will admit, I specifically with Lola's Heart, I was very scared. Mm -hmm. How will it, what will it do? How will, what will people see in it and the judgment and all, <clears throat> but you know, the best way to detach from things like this is to move on and work on the next thing. 100%. And I, don't take yourself too serious anyways. Yes, that's become a constant reminder on a daily mm -hmm. basis. Yes. And, and I think as long as we can enjoy it, have fun, my, my whole thing that I've said over and over and over to people is what are you really passionate about in your heart? Not the damn do what you love and the money will follow because that's just kind of silly pie. But what are you really passionate about? What lights you up? What do you enjoy? You know, do you, are you going to be willing to put some work into it? Are you really going to give it a good shot? And then ask yourself that question. How can I be of service? How can I help? What is this doing to, 
I've yet to see when you put those three legs together on the stool that spirit doesn't roll out the red carpet to help you and to really say, okay, it's time. Yeah, it, it's such a beautiful picture. I've heard you say this before and I love it. It's another one. I'm going to take that one with me in my little bag. <laughs> when I need it, I pull it you out. You're more than welcome. Yes. <laughs> oh, but Denise said. Yes, but I think that that's so true because I, I, and I, I've shared with you, as I do with anyone who's a, a, a true artist, that I have to play it by feel with art. I don't know the the logistics or the mechanics. I know what I feel when I look mm -hmm. at art or hear music or read good writing or it just it's a, an emotional reaction. But I do see a lot of people producing things that even true artists don't see the quality in what's being mass produced. I'm trying so hard to be polite with what I'm saying and that I don't, I don't want to, you know, but, but I just, how, how do, I guess I'm just going to be blunt. I see these incredible creatives that are saying exactly what you're saying. I, I can't get myself out there, fear of failure. I'm not. And then I see people who are doing whatever and throwing it out there. And, and do you find that as an artist that there's such a mass production of, but there's no heart behind it? Yes, I mean, of course, of course, I see that too. When it becomes all about business, uh, it's problematic. Uh, yeah, I do see it. But as an artist that makes a living with the art, it's. I also see the danger in it being um, careful to 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 walk a fine line when you have to make a living, right? Uh, so sometimes people, I'm sure, work on things that they are not necessarily proud of, but they have to make a living. So also this has a couple of more sides. It's, uh, yeah, and, it, and, and you know, it, it's hard. This whole thing about being judgmental is of course at the core of all of it. It's what holds you back. And it's what, it's not a good feeling. No, <laughs> no. A good feeling to be judgmental. It's not a good feeling to feel judged. So I am, I have made a, decision that it always works I don't know I'm trying very hard I'm focusing on what is good right that's all that's really the, that's the best way to put this I'm focusing what what is good that is the best answer and you're right there there is a business aspect there is so I've said that I'm going to use my reference of, of intuitive or mediumship it's great. You can connect, you can bring this through, but if you're going to do this professionally, there does have to be that practicality of, did I pay my quarterly taxes? Have I done these non-billable hours? Have I done, there is that groundedness that needs to happen to, to balance it out. Yeah. Unless you can outsource all of those things and have someone else take care of it. I think being able to put anything out into the world that you feel, even if you're hesitant or scared or, or worried how it will be received, putting it out there from a place of, I know that this is going to help somebody. That's, that's everything. It's a good reminder to, yeah. to tell oneself that when you're starting out on a project, because it's, um, it's really easy to get stuck in, in another pot. I don't know. It, it, the problematic of finding the character, the problematic, what sort of medium will I, will I use? You know, really actually practical things that may make you feel stuck as well. 
and then going back to this is in service to something whom who would this help this may really help to to open the floods quicker when i'm feeling stuck when one is feeling stuck so when you finished lola's heart did you feel like you had done a level of um healing for yourself as well like when it was done before it went out to the world Bufrin, did you say wow this i did it i pulled out that root i'm i'm better now yes i did but it had so many layers it's actually remarkable because when when the first version of it that raw version of it that was huge that was a really big big healing curve in that very first draft, I want to say. And healing for myself, when because I was working on it and I was working through something, but healing also in showing it to other people and seeing their reactions, and they were really emotional. So there's healing in, for an artist. When you see this, what, that it touches somebody else or can give somebody else something really deep, um, there was healing in that too. And that is part of what I needed at the time too. I was so... Um, insecure about my work it was at a point where i thought i can like i'm not i'm just not good at this so it was really important for me to see the reactions next to the fact what, what i was literally working through with the book so it, it had this layer of what it was then but then putting it aside i and working on other projects and really trying to find the right way to without losing what it was and turning it into something for children it was very difficult but there was so much happening uh, in my life, in the world, in everything, that the Lola's heart and the process and what it was and the sort of healing it gave to me and I was hoping it would give to others was completely expanding. I, I, the best way to explain it is I think that when I started out with, with Lola, Lola it, was, it was a personal project. It was more ego-driven. It was more about me my my pain at the time and for it to where, where it started to where it is today it really expanded to just about anyone that's how i look at it anyways it's much more inclusive in that sense and inclusive is maybe not the right word it, it just offers more of this thing that i was hoping to produce that anybody can take away from this story it's not right. something that is so, so personal. Right. It can be personal to you. You take the story, it's your story. You take the story, it's your story. Anybody's story. It, become, it became anybody's story. And really, those were that was the development of all these years and the many layers of healing, the many layers of seeing the world clearer and uh, more experience uh, that, that this book has become actually much, much more than it, than it was. That's a really fine line to balance. That's a really uh, a tightrope of yeah. of being able to do that level of work and put it into something that other people can find themselves in and not, I mean, I personal opinion to put that level of emotion out there, whether it's any creative pursuit or writing or the vulnerability, was there ever a point where you're just like, I don't think anybody else ever needs to see this. This is mine. This is my story. 
Absolutely. There was a time when I thought, that's it. I'm not going to, Lola's heart, that I'm done with this. I have to basically pull back my contract. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think I, I, I will turn this into a children's book. I also at some point um, was didn't want to really look for a while. I didn't want to change it I, as well. It was what it was, and it it yeah. meant so much to me. And that is a version that that personally I still cherish. Mm -hmm. uh, and and because this version cannot go out, I thought, well then, what's like what what what's the sense in it? Uh, obviously, there's a lot of sense in it. I can see that now. Now that I have gone through the other layers, I, uh, there's an, one more addition. When I was working on the actual final art, uh, finishing the book, it was last year. Is that right? Still COVID. There, COVID was in between all of this. Mm -hmm. So just finishing this book, <laughs> more. Of, I had fa a family member, a very close family member, who went through a really, really hard time, and so what Lola's heart then meant to me was yet another layer of healing really for that family member and of course in consequence for me i have a sister who passed away just now and she knew of the she knew of the book of the creation of the book like my whole family of course knew it. <laughs> <laughs> poor family they probably heard enough about it um anyways she she was not able to hold uh, the book in her hands in the very end but she was there until the end so just the release, the publication of Lola's Heart became yet, for myself personally, had yet another layer of, uh, of uh, loss, but, but also how you come out of it. There is something that I think sums up Lola's Heart or the intention of Lola's Heart in, in one sentence. And I thought about this only lately because I was preparing a presentation that I'm having uh, next week. So it's Lola's Heart is really a book that listens more than it speaks. And that says it all. It's a book where anybody can tell their story to or find their story in. So Lola's heart listens. It doesn't tell. That literally brings tears to my eyes. It truly does. That emotionally is such a powerful statement. So thank you. Huge. Mm. Huge, huge. Good old Lola, huh? Little old Lola. <laughs> 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 we love Lola. Yeah, Lola without her without her um wolf and without the big red bird, she would be very lost. Yes, but that's that community and finding who sees you for who you really are, which is it's ego without heart and love yeah. is lost. Oh. With this specific loss. Yes. You know, in most of your work you intertwine beautifully the natural world. So do you find as a creative needing that time to be in nature, to spend time with the natural world, to recharge your own batteries and to fill your coffers creatively? A hundred percent. It's where I get my sanity back because I think I'm um, working from home and really in essence working alone for the most part. You're, you're really very much in your head all the time. Uh, and, and and nature gives me just sanity, touching, <laughs> no, touching a tree, hugging a tree. No, yeah. I didn't hug, sometimes, but uh, you know, touching. Yeah. Um, <laughs> watching watching animals, watching the birds in the yard. We have a cat, my daughter has a dog. So animals, just being close to them, 
and the and the uh, the action the actual action of walking not yes. running i'm too lazy only walk <laughs> will do for me <laughs> no i'm i'm not built for speed i'm built for endurance <laughs> so it's essential nature is essential for for all of this for 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 all of this to actually happen i don't know that i don't know what i would do if i what i would create if i couldn't get out and go for a walk so do you feel that Lola's heart has changed the work that has followed it? Uh, it, it you know, every project that I have done had a really big influence on what was coming next. Mm -hmm. the, the finalizing, this really closing the chapter, so to say, of Lola's heart was huge. I have also worked over the last couple of years on a number of books that are um, again, about human rights, about real stories of people that uh, went through very hard times, came out the other side and have done incredible things uh, that we all benefit from. So those were all stories that I'm, I'm, I have invested so much of myself. Oh, I always invest. I mean, you, you all, any, any artist invests so much of themselves in a story. So that's, it, they are, they are not, they haven't been light they haven't been light to work on no. so yes the completion of lula's heart has definitely had a consequence on the next project and it is exactly this i wanted to work on something just pure fun joy mm -hmm. fun something that is funny or yeah so there is never a disrespect to whatever was before no. but it is what what i needed to do now is something that is just funny yeah and, and maybe a little absurd <laughs> I'm always a big fan of some absurdity. I think yeah. we need more of that in our lives. Yes, I truly. We need do. it all. Yes, we just we need all of these things, all of them, uh, and just like the creator needs them all and needs to be able to jump around, so does the reader. Or we all, we all need it. So, where can people find you and your incredible work? Um, thank you, saying incredible. You're always so kind. <laughs> so it's, I have a website. It's just my full name, alexandraboyga.com. Mostly from there, one can find anything. I have links to Instagram is where I'm also active. And that's pretty much it. But if you go on my website, you can, you can find me. That's the best way. Beautiful. And do you have any upcoming events or programs that you'd like to share or uh, so um, Lola's Heart has been chosen to the original art show. It's in New York City at the Society of Illustrators. It's a show that comes up once a year. <laughs> uh, for it's, it's a panel that chooses what they consider the, the best books of, picture books of the year. So I'm, I'm obviously super, super, super happy that, uh, that Lula's Heart was chosen to be part of this. And so this show starts, the openings, I think, on the 10th of November, just now, no? and it will be on. Uh, okay, I'm lying now. I don't know when how long it's going. <laughs> I think until <laughs> April. But but it's not just Lula. I have one piece in there. Lula's in there. But whoever is in the area should really go and check out that show because incredible art is in there. And there are a couple of amazing um, artists that are in that show. So that's coming up. And then I'm excited about the book that I'm working on right now, which is another one that I create all by myself. And those characters are very alive. And as I said, it's a little absurd. Mm -hmm. It's pure fun. And the title is uh, Rudy's Lullaby. Beautiful. And so you're bringing some levity and some joy and some fun, which is exactly what the world needs right now. Yes. So yes. 
Thank you so much. This has been, I always say it's been a pleasure. It's been a joy, but you're very articulate and I can feel the passion that you put into your work and that you truly believe in your heart. And when, when you're bringing these illustrations to life, it's with a hope for raising the vibration, for making a difference, for inclusivity, for social justice. And it's not just saying the words, it's actually doing something about it that can make a difference. So thank you very, very much. Thank you, Denise. Thank you very much, because it actually means a lot to me. And for any of you that are listening, please do check out Alexandra's work, alexandraboyger.com. If you're in New York, check out the show. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other things showing up in her world that we'll be able to celebrate with her. And remember, there's always something that you came to do. Share you, share your heart, share your light. It does make a difference. Take care.